Hi, my name's Diana Trepkoff, and I'd like to welcome you to my new podcast called Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? I'm a forensic artist who's completed hundreds of law enforcement cold cases, and I can tell you firsthand the pain and suffering I have witnessed on families of missing loved ones. I can see the pain on their face, I can hear the pain in their voice, and I feel it in my heart. My dream is that all missing persons will be found and there will never be another missing person ever again. That's what I pray for. That's what I hope for. And that is my dream. So please welcome my new podcast, Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? And one by one, let's bring these missing loved ones home. Thank you. And now the continuation of my interview with Bill Madad. There's, there's also the question of how, how, why, why did that boat sink in seven minutes? They're sitting in a boat for an hour and you can say, yes, it's rough water. Yes, there are big motors on it, et cetera, et cetera. But they're sitting in this boat for an hour fishing there. Yeah. Not noticing anything wrong. In fact, you know, I specifically asked Jeff about this. He said, no, nothing was wrong with the boat when we got off it for the dive. And he said, I know the bilge pumps were working because I could felt the spray from the pumps as I went down. And yet, in seven minutes, the boat sinks. And this was Jeff's boat? This was his boat, yeah. He'd had the boat for several years, I think. Wow. Um, and what about the Coast Guard? He had been out there before. Like, this was not new territory for him. Yeah. And what about the Coast Guard? What can you say about that? Well, you know, the Coast Guard, they sent stuff out. I really appreciate it. We, we pressured them to extend the search for a few days because they wanted to, uh, they only do search and rescue, not recovery. And, and we convinced them uh, with some help from, a lot of help from Omar's uncle, Howard Shearer to extend the search a couple of days. So they did a good job in terms of searching, in terms of documenting their search. You know, that's how I plotted all the stuff on the map where we found the debris we found, under the Freedom of Information Act. I was able to get there a lot of their material. Uh, but the, the Coast Guard doesn't solve mysteries, especially anything to do with a potential crime. So for example, um, when the boat was sunk, um, an unauthorized salvager went out after a few days and raised the boat. The Coast Guard knew they were there. The Coast Guard watched them, filmed them, but let them do it. So uh, immediately that those divers were on the boat, all the evidence was tainted. We don't know if the batteries on the boat were turned off or didn't work. You know, we don't know if, if anything was removed from the boat that would have told us something. But, so the boat was just raised, taken to a salvage shop, and that was it. So um, there was no forensic analysis of this time. Also, the people who were involved at that time, who were law enforcement people, were the FBI. And um, they, uh, in my view, didn't do a lot. You know, good people, 
I love the FBI, and they talked to me after a while. <laughs> I finally got through to them and got to visit them a couple of times, but a few things were, in my view, remiss, but that's how it is. So the only, only law enforcement was FBI? There wasn't anything else? Well, yeah, you see, this is the interesting thing. Because this happened out on the water, the only jurisdiction out on the water is the uh, is the FBI. Uh, there's a very competent group called the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, FDLE, et cetera, et cetera. And call your county police department and all that. And all these guys were willing to help out or do something, but they had to be asked in by the FBI, and they never were. See, like, because for here, I'm in Ontario, Canada, and near Toronto, and with Toronto Police, they have the Marine Unit. If something goes wrong, the Marine Unit goes out, and then other police services will help. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Um, well, yeah, it was a bunch of interesting little facts. Like, for example, this was, I guess, kind of international waters out there. Yeah. So I, another thing that, that someone told me, and I, I believe it's true, they said, even if a boat sinks, if it's anchored, it still belongs to the owner. Now, when the salvagers brought the boat up, they said it wasn't anchored. It was too short. Anchored, right? anchored line was, was broken. Yeah. So you wonder, I wonder how this happened. The boat was there, then it sunk, was still attached to the anchor when it sunk, and then three days later, suddenly the, the line's broken. You know, I guess it could happen. But... Um, well, so, if you want to answer questions there. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's so many missing pieces and so much. Um, what What has life been like the last 26 years for you, your whole family? Well, you know, it was, um, like I say, it was kind of life-changing. What sustained us was the friends we had who helped us, um, our religion, our faith. I, I felt this would have really cratered my wife, but she has a very, very strong faith. And um, our other kids it had a profound effect on them. You know, uh, Danny and Matt, they're both good, good kids. They looked up to David. Um, Danny was devastated. He, he left home himself and went down to Florida for several months. How old, uh, how old were they when David went? Well, missing? Danny would have been about 22 at this time. And Matt was, say, nine, no, seven, 18, 17, something like that. Okay. Anyways, we, we eventually, you know, with, like I say, with the help of friends and family, you know, kind of put things back together. We, we fondly remember Dave. We love Dave. We talk about him. But we've had to go on with our lives. You know, both Danny and Matt are successful in business, and they have families. We have grandchildren, and we're thankful for that. We're blessed in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm, oh, it's so sad. It's so sad not knowing. It's, it's so sad this happened. Um, did, you, did the family go for professional help, counseling and stuff? You know, um, no, we didn't. No. I can't say we went to professional counseling. But we have a lot of a wide scope of good friends, you know, <laughs> who – in every, maybe every other sense, are kind of like 
counselors, if you know what I mean. Nice, nice. Because I, I know many families right now, there's a boy who's missing. He was murdered and put in the Bull River in Calgary. And uh, I, I just feel like the family needs to speak to some trauma, trauma counseling and grief counseling and stuff, but they're not ready. And it just hurts me to see them go through so much pain. And I don't know what to say. I, I'm trying to be there for them. And a lot of people are stepping up trying to be there. But I know it's just, it's, it's time, right? Just one day. Well, that, it I, is time. And, and, you know, like they talk about different stages of um, grief or whatever. Like I say, I think my wife, Kathy, got there within a month and a half. Um, other kids reacted the wrong way. We all seemed to come out of it. I don't know that I've ever been through all these stages. I, I from the get-go, I guess it was a problem for me to solve. And I've been working on that problem for 26 years and not taking no for an answer. And that's amazing. And you're, you're amazing at this because the detail that you're giving is so important for everybody to hear. Um, as of today, we have listeners in 60 countries and 1,482 cities worldwide. So when wow. it is released... Like I said, you give so much credible information because you're his dad and you haven't been stopping, you know, for 26 years. And you, what you say, what you know, you're telling the world. And that's what's important. I want this story to touch everybody in the heart. And if someone knows something to come forward, you know, and I, and I believe that's possible. Um, what did I want to ask? Do you ever have dreams of David? You know, it's interesting you mentioned that very rarely. Oh, I thought you were going to say yes last night or something. No, no, I um, I think of David every day. Yeah. Uh, different ways. Um, but, you know, I, I at night, it, it doesn't, uh, I, I can't say that I've had dreams of him. Maybe one or two, but not or initially, but not, not lately. Okay. Don't know why that is. Yeah. Um, and how is Jeff today since he's the only survivor? It must have been really hard for him. And, you know, and he probably would feel like maybe some people don't believe his story. Some people do. And I'm just wondering, any contact with Jeff and how is he doing today? Any idea? Yeah, you know, I really uh, can't tell you okay. um, how, how he is. You know, and you're right. You know, Early on when this went, there was a lot of criticism to all the boys, then a lot to Jeff. And I think at some point, uh, uh, you know, Jeff felt that he was being picked upon and, and made a victim of this. And, uh, and you know, and, and very difficult for him there in that respect. So, and of course, the families like us were, I guess you, you kind of viewed us as on the other side. So we haven't had a lot of contact. Um, I, I've maybe talked to a couple of people who know him or know of him, but I really, I think he's, he was married and got divorced. I heard. And, and for all I know, right now, I know he's working somewhere in, in the, the area, but I have no idea where. Okay. Okay. And I usually ask this question. It might be a little hard, but if David could hear you today, what would you want to say to him? You know, I would want him to know that how very proud we are of him, how pleased we were for what he did. He was such a, a great guy and he made us happy. And I tell him he's loved and will always be loved and we'll never stop trying to find out what happened to him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that. And 
like I'm looking at him right now in this picture in the black and white poster that you sent and yeah I wonder I wonder what they went through that day and where what really happened um what about contact information so who so there is no law enforcement if someone wanted to give a tip or anything that there is no law enforcement that they can contact is there um, not that I'm aware of. I think if they went to the FBI, as I have, <laughs> the FBI say the case is closed. But but you can contact me. Okay. And uh, I I think you have some stuff you can put on your your website. All kinds of contact information. My my email is just w dot w m a d o t t at hotmail dot com. Okay. Perfect. And there's also a website which is www dot vanished dot org that has tons of uh, information on it uh, articles that have been written etc and uh, i can even uh, get someone copies of joe's book uh, if necessary yeah so if anybody wants to buy the book vanished in the gulf they can email you and um, i also wanted to say kimberly clark she's the one who messaged me she's a friend and um she reached out to me about the story about the boys who went missing in the gulf and it was her neighbor knows them so she's like diane would you be interested we don't feel like you know their case got their story was heard enough in canada it happened in the states and and i've never heard of this until she got in touch with me so i was like of course so thank you so much kimberly clark for reaching out to me she's an amazing person and then she got your information and and I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Well, and I want to thank Kimberly as well, and, and Melanie Beaton, who, uh, Keeling, who, who, who talked to her. So they certainly went above and beyond. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're doing, Diana, so very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm just thinking about the boat, if there was anything else. Um, the boat. So what about the battery? You mentioned something about the battery. Well, you know, you know, when you get into theories of why a boat sink, sinks, one thing they could say is, well, if the batteries were turned off, then the bilge pumps wouldn't work. Bilge pumps are pumps that pump water out of a boat. You know, you get water in the boat and the pumps pump it out. But if the battery goes off, the pumps don't work, so the water doesn't go out, so the boat fills up with water. So uh, there was some question saying, well, were these pumps working. Maybe the boat filled up with water and the guys didn't notice this. But like I say, uh, and in fact, this is even in Joe's book, um, Jeff knows the bills pump were working when he got off the boat. And uh, I had personally asked him, if, was the boat riding okay You know, at this time? He said, yes. So in a period of seven minutes, the boat sunk. Yeah. Okay. So that was the the thing now was it because i mean it had big motors on it and these guys got on the back getting into the boat could could that have done it it's hard to say it's a fairly big boat to sink that fast and, uh, and yeah another question um in your heart what do you feel really happened that day you know i can't really say that because I'm I'm solving a problem. Yeah. And and to speculate probably isn't fair. It's probably not going to be right anyways, you know. Mm -hmm. But like I say, it's the strange thing. The thing I can't get over is we found no trace of them or anything personal 
anywhere in the current plant, uh, pattern or the area. Question is, why was that? How could these guys completely disappear? I mean, you can understand if they found a body, the ground, ground, whatever. How can you find nothing with the extensive search that went on? This is incredible. Yeah, because people don't just disappear into thin air. So you have a good point there. Well, well, listen, we researched, among other things, a whole bunch of people who disappeared in the Gulf. And, and there's people who disappeared who didn't have BCDs or life jackets. There's people who disappeared who you didn't know where they were when, or, or you think you know where they were when they, they got first got into trouble. And, and then there's, you know, the shark theory, which you investigate. Um, but, but all this stuff doesn't play out. You're still left with the mystery. Yeah, I, I really hope um, this will trigger off something and we'll get some answers. And is there anything you would like to close with? No, just I appreciate everyone who listens, who will contribute or not contribute, you know. Thank you very much. And please, you get a chance, help somebody else. A little, any little thing helps. It makes for a better world. Yeah, like the stories that you said, how everyone was supporting and so helpful during your worst time in your life. And, and that's really nice to hear beautiful stories about people because we seem to only hear the negative ones. So I'm, I was happy to hear that. Okay, okay, so yeah, thank you so much. Bill, I know it's not easy to tell the story. Um, I think you're amazing because you've researched so much, you've investigated, you leave no stone unturned and you have a good team behind you and I'll keep pushing. I'll push the story all to honor the boys. Um, we'll get this podcast out. We'll also have a page on our, can I help find your missing loved one website and it'll have their pictures, information, contacts. And thank you so much again. Um, I really, really hope and pray that we will get answers. So thank, thank you, Diana. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you everyone for listening to Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One? Until next time, stay safe, contribute, and best wishes. Take care, Bill. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I just wanted to say I just finished interviewing Bill Madot, who is David Madot's father. And, um, you know, since the interview, I've been sitting here thinking how it must be so hard for all the families. I already have witnessed many, many families of missing loved ones, the pain and torture that they've been through. And um, one thing I was pleased to hear in the interview is that the support that the families have received when the three boys disappeared in the Gulf of Mexico. And it was November 4th, 1994, that David Madot, Omar Shearer, and Kent Moreau they disappeared and they were never found. And it's 26 years later, still with no answer. Um, it, it's sad. They're all trying really, really hard to get answers. The only survivor is Jeffrey Wanditch. And my heart goes out to him because it must be hard also to be the only one who survived and to live with this day in and day out. So I wanted to say that Bill did a tremendous job in explaining this story. He went through all the facts. He went through the timeline and um, and he told amazing, I think what really touched me through the interview is when he talked about the support from people he knew and people he didn't know. The hotel that gave rooms for three weeks to help them, you know, when they had to fly to Florida to look for the boys and be part of this search, you know, when they live in Canada. And um, just the people across the street helping with food, 
one of the restaurants and just everyone trying to help. And I want to remind everyone that, you know, they're sorry, that's my dogs downstairs. <laughs> I just want to remind everyone that we live in a, a time right now with COVID where there is a lot of negativity and a lot of stress, stressful facts on the news. And I try not to watch the news so I can stay balanced and positive, like be aware with what's happening, but still stay focused and stay positive. And I think um, it's nice to hear about so like there's a lot of creeps in the world. We know that because there's too many missing people worldwide that are murdered and we're still looking for the killers. But there's also so many amazing people in the world. So I'm so grateful. Thank you to everyone who steps up and to help families of missing loved ones. That means so much to me because I've seen the pain that they've gone through and the hurt in their voice. I see families fall apart. I see them getting diseases from suffering so much. And um, I just, I think that's great that we're all pulling together as a team to help people when they go through hard times. So this is to honor the boys who mysteriously disappeared November 4th, 1994. Nothing was ever found from them. And um, they were not found. They were wearing special life jackets, um, multicolor, like they were never found. And um, a lot of scenarios, we don't have evidence. We don't know what really, really happened to them. But it's to honor David Madot, to honor Omar Shearer and Kent Moreau. You three are not forgotten. We will never forget you. And, um, and thank you, Bill Madot, for speaking from your heart and saying the truth to help get the story out and to honor your son and the boys. Thank you so much. And um, if anybody knows anything, please contact us at Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One under tips. And we have the website, www.canihelpfindyourmissingloveedone.com. And we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. Best wishes and stay safe. Thanks for listening. Can I Help Find Your Missing Loved One is created, produced, and hosted by Diana Trepkoff. Associate Producer and Sound Editing by Marty Brown. Please don't forget to call in any tips. Thank you.